0: Here now the word of God found in the thirteenth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And then Jesus left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain this to us explained the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the word and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus is telling another farming story. Don't you know that that just means he knows his audience? He's been talking to people who are used to farming on dirt that is hard and rocky. It's difficult to produce a crop. And now he's talking to those same farmers, and he's reminding them of a very underhanded method that adversaries have of doing harm. Because you see, back in that day, if someone was mad at his neighbor, he would watch his neighbor very carefully sow his field with wheat, and then at night, he would go out and scatter the seeds of weeds. And not just any weed, but a weed that looked like the wheat. So when the weeds and the wheat began to grow, you couldn't tell between them. And the neighbor had no choice but to wait. No choice but to wait as the weeds and the wheat grew together, knowing that his harvest was diminishing by the day. But he couldn't do anything until the end at the harvest. So Jesus is talking to people, and and he's, he's telling them a story. He's using a familiar situation to make a spiritual point. We read this story, and we think it's about waiting. It's hard to wait, isn't it? Have you ever been a child waiting for Christmas? Oh, my goodness. It seems like the closer Christmas Day comes, the longer the days grow between now and Christmas Day. I can remember growing up, people would say, he's as slow as Christmas in July. Or if it was really bad, he's as slow as Christmas in January. And we all knew what that meant. No one likes to wait. We have been waiting all around the world for several months now. We've been waiting for COVID-19 to go away. I remember several months ago when the the waiting first started and schools began to close down and People started to work from home it was with great joy that I packed up my office and moved it to my dining room table at home I thought this is going to be wonderful I am such an introvert I get to stay at home with my sweet husband every day this is going to be great what I learned is that my introversion has an expiration and after about two months of not seeing my children my grandchildren my parents of having to pick groceries up in the parking lot at the grocery store I was done with waiting I was ready to put my mask on and venture out and the first time I went to the grocery store I was like a kid in the candy store I probably bought way more groceries than I really needed but then we think about waiting and we think about it from a serious perspective and we think about the generations of people have waited. The hundreds of years of waiting that some of our brothers and sisters have endured as they have waited to be recognized as equal, as they have waited to be recognized as worthy, as they have waited to be offered the same opportunities that I have enjoyed my entire life just because of the color of my skin. And suddenly, Waiting a few months for COVID to go away doesn't seem quite as bad. But still, that doesn't mean that waiting is a comfortable place to be, particularly if we're waiting in the weeds. Weeds can be very uncomfortable. You know, we think, we're the wheat. Oh, we're okay. They're the weeds. I don't really think I want to spend time with them. But it seems that this parable calls us to do just that. It seems that this parable calls us to wait in the weeds. It calls the faithful to wait in the weeds with the people who aren't like us, with the people who make us uncomfortable, and we often find ourselves saying, God, do something. We look around us and we see meanness in the world, and we say, God, do something. We look around us and we see children harmed. We see people losing their lives. We see all kinds of evil happen in the world. And we say, God, do something. Why aren't you doing something? And God, if you really don't know what to do, come ask me. Because I will be happy to tell you what to do in this situation. But do something. Now, you will find that I love music and often use music in my sermons to make a point and i want to read the first verse of a matthew west song the song is called do something i'm reading it i want to make sure i get the words right it says i woke up this morning saw a world full of trouble now thought how do we ever get so far down and how's it ever going to turn around so i turned my eyes to heaven and i said god why don't you do something Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I can understand that kind of cry. When we cry out to God and we say, God, why don't you do something? Hear my prayers. Why aren't you listening? But sometimes we need to be aware that when we pray for something, we're praying for a lot more than we thought we were praying for. How many of you remember the movie Bruce Almighty? It's an old movie. Bruce, a reporter, having a very bad time in life and ends up crying out to God and God answers him. God looks and sounds like Morgan Freeman. And in the initial scenes where God and Bruce are having a conversation, God says, look, I'm ready to go on vacation. Why don't you take over for a little while if you think you can do this? And of course, Bruce said, who wouldn't want to be God? Give it to me. And so Morgan Freeman goes on vacation. Bruce becomes God with all of the powers. And suddenly he's hearing Hundreds of thousands of voices in his ear, the prayers of the people, and he can't make them stop. So he finally sends them all to email. And then he discovers they don't stop even when he sends them to email. So in a fit of desperation, he answers every prayer that has come across his email in the affirmative. So many people won the lottery that the payout was $6 a person and riots ensued after that because somebody was absolutely sure that cheating was happening. Bruce was looking to impress his girlfriend and win her back, so he sets up a nice dinner and to really impress her, he pulls the moon closer. And she acknowledges that the moon, that's the biggest she's ever seen the moon, that's the closest she's ever seen the moon. But while she's admiring the moon and he's making points with his girlfriend, floods and catastrophes are taking place on the other side of the world because the moon is out of position. Bruce learned that being God is not as easy as it seems and that God will answer prayers in the very best ways that he knows to answer, which often far exceeds our own limited view and our own limited wisdom. At the same time, I understand why we cry out to God. I have a prayer that I pray pretty regularly. I pray for our world. I pray for our country. I pray for our United Methodist Church. And as I do that, I cry out to God and I say, God, why can't you make us all live in peace? Why can't you fix it so we all know how to live in peace? And even as I pray that prayer, I realize that I'm praying the wrong prayer, that I should not be praying for God to fix someone else until I pray that God will fix me. Now, at that point, some of you are thinking, okay, preacher, that's enough. You've done quit preaching and gone to meddling. What do you mean God needs to start any change with me. But that's the honest truth. God is not going to answer my prayers to fix the world until I allow him to work in my heart to fix me. So at first glance this parable seems to be one that tells the faithful you just need to wait in the weeds until God is done. I think we need to look at this parable from a slightly different perspective, maybe from a bigger perspective. I think we need to look at this parable and understand that first, this really isn't a parable about us at all. This is a story about God and God's glorious and gracious patience. God has already prepared the pathway for the redemption of the world through the crucifixion and resurrection of his son. Everything is ready. All he has to do is call time and it will happen. But he hasn't done that yet. And even as I get impatient and say, God, why don't you go ahead and do that? I think back in my life and I realize I have reason to be grateful that God is patient. Because what if God had decided the time of harvest came while I was still a weed? What if God decided that the time of harvest came while you were still a weed? What if God decided that the time of harvest came before you and I gave our hearts and lives to Jesus? We should be grateful for God's patience, for his generosity, for his willingness to wait as we hope weeds turn into wheat. Now I'll tell you, that would be a very comfortable place to end this sermon. God is patient, He is generous, He is gracious. Aren't we all grateful, now let's go home and have dinner? But that's not where the sermon is ending, because I don't think that's all we can learn from this parable. I think that we can look at this from God's perspective. God created a world that was wonderful, it was beautiful, it was good, there were people in the world, the Garden of Eden was great, and people rebelled. So God gathered more people to him, and he said, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and you have one job, and your one job is to be a light to the world so that everyone will want to come and know me. And the people failed. And God sent his son to live and die and to show the way to a good, close relationship with the Father. And still, we fail. Think about how God feels when he looks down on this earth and instead of seeing an earth full of good, an earth full of wheat, he sees wheat and weeds mixed together. He sees good and evil together. He sees things happening that he doesn't want to happen. I think he mourns, but I don't think he sits still watching the weeds. I think he works. I think he works constantly. He works to transform you and me, to draw us closer to Christ, to make us more faithful disciples. He works to, to reach the hearts of anyone who will give him just the slightest chance. He works to bring transformation. God does the work of transforming weeds to wheat. We need to learn to do the same. Remember the song that I read you the lyrics to? I woke up this morning, I saw a world full of trouble. I thought, God, why don't you do something? I just can't bear poverty and slavery. So I shake my fist at heaven and I say, God, why don't you do something? The next line in this song is God's answer. The next line is God's answer to the cry for justice, to our prayers that he fix the world and make it right. In the song, here's what God says. He says, I did. I created you. What are you doing in the world around you to transform the weeds into wheat? What are you doing to allow God to work in your heart so you become a better disciple and a better example to the people around us? We need to practice the patience of God because we all have family members, neighbors, coworkers, who are still weeds. But we don't need to sit still in the weeds. We need to be working. We need to be doing God's work to transform us and the weeds into pure wheat. The song asks God, why don't you do something? God says, I did. I created you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.